cost drifted alarmingly in the betting was, you know, fancy in the morning continued to drift. It was late on the on the exchanges to, to lose. It was something you'd see in a, in a Dick Francis novel, Charles Bottoms. The ground is soft, it's not... It's oh, not it's heavy. Soft on time. It's, it's heavy. Okay. And a very warm welcome to the Bar Stewards Inquiry first of the year, Sunday Sermon. And joining me to chew the fat and dish out the dirt this week is John Lang of John Joe's Blogspot. Good afternoon, John. Live from Purgatory, good afternoon, mate. <laughs> hell and back. Uh, yes, it's a bit of hell on earth. <laughs> that, that, that typifies today's today's punting but anyway on to my next guest and it is Lorne Malvo from Twitter who is uh, very much part of the Bastards team and, and certainly uh, backs up his own claims that the show is completely shit without him, uh, him on that, that's yeah. <laughs> so, and certainly I mean you, Chris you should be in great form because after after a great Christmas, and, oh, it's tremendous! Yes, you know your new chamois leather, your, yeah. your Genesis, your Genesis mm-hmm. uh, live concert on Blu-ray, yeah. and your new your new pair of Wranglers. Yes, um, yes, and broke <laughs> after shave as well. Gift set, lovely. Yeah, a bit of old spice. Yeah. Bit of old spice, bit of denim. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, <laughs> and, and tweed by Lanthrop for the lady in my life. There you go. Yeah, yeah, bit of yeah, bit of tweed Lanthrop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Did John? Did you get any um, uh, Christmas uh, uh, brilliant presents from anyone? Um, I got a bit of cream to put on crack tails. I think that was. <laughs> Lots of soul. Yeah. Star present. I think. <laughs> lovely. Nice. Tremendous. Right, it's an action packed show. Uh, we've got plenty to discuss. And I'm going to start the show off on a or serious or lighthearted note because we're going to do the Bar Stewards 2021 Awards, where we're going to do this every year. We'll, 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 we'll confer and see who's got the best suggestion for trainer of the year, jockey of the year, and media personality of the year. So I'm going to start off with you, Chris. What, who is your trainer of the year? Well, I mean, it, it's, it's a tricky one, isn't it? But I'm going to go for David Simcock, right? The greatest <laughs> trainer of races that you'll ever see in your life. So, so Simcock for me, for services, for, uh, for fuck knows what. But yeah, Sim, Simcock's my man because he is eminently predictable. And I think that, that, that there's a lot to be said about predictability in betting. So Simcock for me, man, man of the year, no doubt. Well, this is, this is it. All these four and five runner races... <laughs> It's easier to work out the front runner when yeah. Simcock's got a runner. Precisely. You know exactly <laughs> near as damn it what he's going to do. And I think that's gold dust. So Simcock for me. Keep doing yeah. what you're doing. Know. Good shout. Good shout. So, so Sim, Simcock on trainer. John, your trainer of the year. Um, I think trainer of the year, I've got to go with um, the very posh and very well-spoken John Gosden. <laughs> simply because... He is almost singularly responsible for keeping former health secretary Matt Hancock in the lavish lifestyle that he has become accustomed to. <laughs> that poor bugger, and I mean, everybody likes him, could have been eating squirrel shit this year if it wasn't for our John. Yeah. Keeping him afloat <laughs> with the, uh, the friendly donations here and there. He's even talked his missus into bunging him a few quid. Fantastic performance. Fantastic, yeah. Great nomination there. Uh, John Gosden for John. Uh, Myself, I'm with the Irish kitchen fitter, uh, Mr. R.P. McNally. Ronan McNally um, seems to have this knack of getting horses about £50 well in um, and just winning with everything he runs that's that's bet, which I I just find astonishing. On probably the, the best magic carrots juice um, pound for pound in the game. So uh, credit to you, Mr. Ronan McNally, for your immense strike rate um, and going off eight to thirteen in seventeen runner handicap hurdles uh, in Ireland. It's it's some fate. Um, so yeah, that's my trainer nomination. So we, who, who are we thinking, guys? Who's the best nominee out of the three? Like, who do you like? I like Ronan. I think. Yeah. 
Ronan, are we, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. cool. Right, Ronan. Ronan is our Bastards 2021 yeah. Trainer of the Year. Um, no awards, but um, yeah, so there, there might be there might be uh, some cream on its way in the purse or something. Um, <laughs> uh, jockey of the Year, then, chaps. Um, I'll start us off. Um, my Jockey of the Year would be Alain Corley. Um, for uh, speaking out for the for the virtuous weighing room uh, against Brownie Frost and telling everybody how it was um, on, on 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 television and uh, for the record amount of not offs um, he's rode in a single year um, it, it's pushing it's pushing astronomic proportions in terms of uh, not offs that Alain Corley rides uh, obviously well in there with JP sits lovely there with JP for his for his uh, for his spins. John, I'll come to you for your uh, trainer, uh, jockey of the year. Um, I think I'd have to go for Paul Teflon Morenen, who has <laughs> overcome any amount of uh, rumours and hard evidence in some cases regarding phone girls from India, and yet still <laughs> maintains a wonderful media profile. He's a ambassador for this that and the other i think it's racing tv um signed him up as a, one of their ambassadors um this despite one or two questionable rides on a certain sprint i've backed a couple of times this year um yeah i think the uh, the non-stick award for jockey ship this year must go to mr mulrennan mr mulrennan good call uh, i like that one uh for you, Chris, what was your uh, I, I think, jockey no, of the year? The services to social justice, Robbie Dunn. He's a stone <laughs> clear of everybody. He's brought, <laughs> brought into the spotlight. And that's what everybody's saying is, is needed to increase the profile of racing. He's your man, honestly. He's, he's 10 stone clear. Yeah, the guy, I mean, I mean, literally... Racing really has shot itself in the foot. That's down to the BHA, surely, with these. They, 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 they could have absolutely nipped this in the bud in double quick time. And typical BHA have uh, let this roll on and roll on, and it's just made an absolute mess of things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, that's a very good shout. John, I'll let you pick this one. So who do you reckon is, be- is best for Jockey of the Year? Do you like yours best, Mulrennan? No, I think Robbie Dunn was probably the boy, isn't he, really? Yeah. Okie dokie. So that's it. Yeah, I'll I'll go with that. So he's, Robbie Dunn. He's in the headlines, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Nominated by Law Malvo, and he gets the Jockey of the Year for 2021 and the Bar Award. So you have won something there, Robbie. Media Personality of the Year. Uh, it's our third and final Bar Stewards Award, a very prestigious award. Um, uh, John, I'm going to come to you first with your nomination for Media Personality of the Year. Um, I think I'd have to give this to David Never a Step Back Yet, who um, <laughs> had a wonderful set to with uh, Tony Calvin at, uh, I think it was Sandown the other week. Yeah, I thought it was a giant thumb wearing a big overcoat. Where, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is it them Santa Rams? Yeah, from Doctor Who. I was thinking yeah. that. They're always at war, right? <laughs> Until somebody explained to me what was actually going on, that's why I thought it was going on. Because Yates' fashion sense is something akin to Tom Baker's early excesses as Doctor yeah. as well. So I, th- yes. I thought I was saying the same from that at first. Oh, no, no. Yeah, uh, the Sumteran versus the Doctor. Yeah, yeah because Yates had uh, probably got wind that Tony was undergoing treatment and fancied his chances, but... Uh, I, I still think I'd have had my last driver on Calvin if it had gone to the cobbles. Yes, yes. I, I think I think so. I think I think he'd he'd make a great front row prop uh, oh. with Calvin. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, good, good, so good nominee. So, so Dave Yates for you, John. Absolutely. Dave Yates, media personality of the year, a man with great attire. Um, oh. Chris, I'm coming to you for your media personality of the oh. year. Me. I'll nominate yes. myself because I'm fucking brilliant. And I don't get the credit <laughs> I deserve. So, me, <clears throat> by a country mile. 
There you go. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, we won't get. We, you won't be winning bastards. I can tell you that now. Me and John will veto this, of course. And yeah. um, mine, personally, was. I, I think we should go with a, a, a lifetime award. In fact, for media sure. personality of the year to Claude Duval. Um, the, oh, good old Claude, uh, retired from the, the the press, the press press room these days. But Not I do I'm very very much missed, and certainly um, the catering staff. Uh, certainly don't have to pull 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 the weight as much as I don't think Claude Duval um, would ever get beaten by the current crop of of media journalists on the raping of a buffet. I think I think Claude was fantastic with the buffet. Um, he made sure that everything got polished off, and um, and I, and I think that 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 holds its own. You know, Claude, you know, went from track to track, polishing off buffet buffet after buffet, and not one media staff. Um, Motta said anyone can cope with Claude uh, in the buffet steak. So, who, who are we thinking, John, between me and you then? Claude Duval or Dave Yates? I think with it being a lifetime situation, we might not get a chance to nominate him again. I think Claude's got to take it, to be honest. <laughs> I think so. Right? That's the, the Charles Benson Award, you could call that. Yeah, I, I think, like I say, I, I would, I'd, I'd present Claude a trophy. I'd make a Bastia's trophy for a lifetime award. So if Claude, if Claude listens to the show, then Claude, uh, get get in touch and we'll send you uh, a Bastia's trophy. So that's our three awards. Um, hope you enjoyed that little little section. And we kick on to our next subject, which is uh, Dan Skelton, of course, charged by the BHA. Uh, for fiddling an owner, um, obviously Dan hasn't had a chance to respond yet. So you, you know, it's, it'd be sort of dangerous to insinuate he's guilty, oh. blah blah blah. But reading reading into it, chaps, I'm I'm astonished. Again, it comes down to a terrible management. It's took three and a half years for the for these owners to get to this stage. Three and a half years, and probably hundreds hundreds of thousands of illegal fees. You know what the BHA are like to get to this stage. If this is shocking. If these owners were just ordinary men in the street, a small syndicate, say, for example, there's no way they could have taken the BHA and, and said, you know, we want we want proceedings taken against Mr. Skelton, blah, blah, blah. There's no way, say, me or you, John, or, or, or you, Chris, could get to that stage as owners because of, of the fees involved. And I think this is what's disgusting about racing, that it has took three and this long to get to a charge to Dan Skelton. Whether Dan Skelton should be charged is a matter after Dan Skelton uh, appeals this charge and we are Dan Skelton's side of things. But thoughts on this, chaps? I mean, have, have they not, I mean, have they not, did they not have to wait for the outcome of the civil case that, that, that that's ongoing or is this purely the, the BHA action we're talking about? I think it's, I think it's purely the BHA action in terms of, in terms of, uh, charging Dan Skelt basically for <coughs> robbing an owner. Um, it look it looks pretty. Obviously, the evidence we've seen looks pretty damning. Uh, yeah. The amount that he was charged in supposed trading fees was the exact amount that uh, Skelton pocketed into his uh, offshore or different bank account or whatever. Yeah. Um, and and so it looks it looks pretty sinister. Um, but be interesting to see what happens. John, have you any thoughts on this? Just how pathetic it is that the BHA let it mares along like they have, but it's typical of them, isn't it? I mean, they're probably just stuck their heads in the sand and hope they go away, the owners would get sick and fuck off. (laughs) I mean, that's, you know, this is just the impression you get with the BHA in the whole time. You know, they'd rather do nothing than anything. And uh, it's just very sad, really. Yeah, it, it's it's. I mean, it it it's proven obviously with um, obviously the Brownie Frost Robbie Dunn case that the BHA would rather would rather it go away, would rather brush it under. To me, this is how it looks. They'd rather brush it under a carpet than actually get to a conclusion because, like you said, the the Brownie Frost Robbie Dunn could have been sorted a lot sooner than this. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, disappointing, very very disappointing from our governing body of the sport. Um, all right, on to recent events, and obviously there's been a, a few problems, uh, so to speak, at race courses where uh, we've seen uh, a, a, a very unsavoury scene at Fairy House where uh, a race goer threw it looked like a half filled pint um, at the horse finishing third, I believe, in this race at Fairy House and the jockey and the horse. Now. <sighs> 
this 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 I think, and I, I know John will probably agree with me. John, I'll I'll let you have a rant if you like about it. I mean, is is this a direction that's taken by the race courses uh, themselves that is bringing about this this sort of cultural problem with with drinking, John? Well, I think the trouble is that the BHA are slavishly following this model now from Premier League football, where they're, they're promoting team events, they want the team ethos, they want you getting behind your team and all this sort of thing. And uh, I, I'm, I'm just waiting for the uh, the racing league to get even more high profile next year. <laughs> I think we'll probably have a situation where... Uh, Tim Easterby's intercity firm have a pop down to Lingers to take on the uh, Gary Moore Magenta and Black Army in a razor fight. <laughs> Brighton Rock. Yeah. Dickie Attenborough. Uh, you know, this, this, this is where we're heading, isn't it? You know, I mean, my, my local Redker, um, Amy Fair has done a lot of good things since she came in there. The, the Biggest and best thing she's done is not be John Gundil, her predecessor. But um, one of the things she has done as well, she's relaxed the rules on where you can drink. And now there's people prowling around the betting ring and in the in front of what was the members' stand with them plastic glasses full of lager staggering in here and all the rest of it. And you know, you go to places where they've got them bloody things on the back filling lagers up. And it, it's not conducive to a pleasant day out when people's getting lagered up like that, you know. Um, the, the solution would have to be to confine it to the bars. Which uh, Paul Tompkinson came on and, and, and he, he said... He said a question for us, and he said, "Surely, race courses are the orchestra orchestrators of this, these incidents by allowing alcohol onto the concourse." Yeah. However, you've got a problem here, though, because when they do the concerts in the summer, how do you how how are you going to explain to God knows how many thousands of people that aren't there for the racing and have come to see you know five star? Um, <laughs> what that baby hearing? Well, anyway, like, you know, five star, you know, top, top in the bill, you know, and you, you, you're saying <laughs> to you know, these yeah. <laughs> So Doctor Who comes in with a time machine. <laughs> you're saying to these folk, um, you can't have your... Uh, lager and black um, you know you can't sit there and have your you know lager and black current uh, watching five star because simply you, you're hooligans and, and you're not to be trusted I mean the thing is for me and John knows this as well is that the direction of the race courses because it makes money is obviously to create a lads 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 beer culture yep. which gets everyone boozing and spending plenty in the bars but it's not they're not promoting betting anymore. And 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 it's same on ITV. You have seen the ITV sections, haven't you, chaps, with the with the old gin making in the in in the tents and instead of instead of going to Big Mac in the ring to see to see who's laid a twenty two thousand a ten cough. Um <laughs> Absolutely no one. You know <laughs> to no one ever these days. Um you're now going to the gin tents, you know, on on who's who's putting what what kind of fruit um, in the in the flower bowl to go with the with the gin? And and to me, this is if you're creating that sort of environment, then this is what you're gonna get. When you get when people get pissed, people show their asses and all sorts. I mean, you know, this is this is where we're at. I'm afraid. Do you agree with this, John? Yeah, market raising, same thing. Bloke drops his trousers and starts whirling it around like a Westland helicopter in front of in front of horizontal. We saw that there was synchronized wanking, weren't there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. In front of horrified horrified Easter school children. Yes. Um, I mean <laughs> but, but you say the race courses have the answer to this, and it's a one word answer, and the word is ropes. Because if if you know race courses are massive fans of red rope. 
if they want to corral people in certain areas or get them to queue up, they use red rope, sometimes zigzagging it, so that the queues from lager and whatever, you get compressed and take up less space. So all, <laughs> all they need to do is, while racing's on, corral all the piss heads in the bars with the ropes, and then they could get a member of Five Star to come along and cut <laughs> one of the ropes to let them all spill out and, and drink where they want, fall about and spew and fart and belch, and it'll be fantastic. <laughs> well, let's be fair. If they do get Five Star uh, next season, they're filling the diversity quarters. I mean, come on. You know, this is this is proactive thinking on the bastards. You know, um yeah, that's a fair idea. Um, never, you know, no good getting getting Jess Glid and and all all this lot. That's not diverse, is it? Um, I don't know. Maybe four tops as well, John. Or are they all dead? I think they're all dead. They'll <laughs> <laughs> be all over them like sheep too. They're all dead, wouldn't they? Uh, maybe 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 a black top four tops tribute band. No, you can't. You can't black up. Good God, that's <laughs> you can't even. You, know, you can't do that. Is it? No, no. Girl, don't pass go. <laughs> anyway, we're going slightly off topic. Um, right, we'll move on. <laughs> John, some questions on um, uh, what is what is the odds on the next trainer jockey to receive a knighthood? Said Andrew Woodman. Who, who, who's in line? The kilt? <laughs> John's changed what John's changed one of his uh, Twitter profiles to OBE, the screaming kilt OBE as well. I can tell you, sir. So, you know, he, he, he could get an OBE, couldn't he? Just out of awkwardness. Um, <laughs> as regards knighthoods and what have you, I think. I'm, I'm I'm quite surprised Blackmar didn't get something actually. <laughs> get everything. Yeah. Every 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 Victoria Cross. Yeah, well, what she what she won in my almanac this year, I'm really surprised she she didn't make the New Year honours list. Oh, oh. Yeah. Um, as regards jockeys and trainers, I, I think we we're really thin on the ground as regards candidates for whoever. Yeah. Might get a knighthood. I mean, Gosden's done his best to buy one. Yeah, yeah, Gosden might be. Yeah, in fact, that'd be my. If I had an anti-post book, Chris, would you agree with this? Gosden would be be short price on my yeah, list. Definitely, it's only a matter of time, isn't it, till he gets. Uh, He's chucked yeah. a lot of money at it, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's give one to Stout. She's tra- Stout's yeah. trained for her for years, and yeah. and obviously Gosden's trained a few. So I, I think Gosden would be a be anti purse leader. In- Stout was now to do with racing. What was Stout's to do with? Services to tourism, Barbados. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You learn, see, see, listeners, you learn something every day. So, so, <laughs> You, you couldn't give him a night on for racing. You can't get a fucking tell you're all ready till October. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, so, yeah. So, so the, the, the good old Queenie gave it to Stouty for uh, services to tourism in Barbados. Yeah. Interesting. I never knew that. I never knew that. You, John comes up with these pearls every now and again. Um, I, was, I was quite hoping, actually, when Barbados got independence, I was, I was quite hoping to write to him and ask for it back. They might put his uh, rates up on his villa, do you think? His <laughs> whatever whatever tax they do over there, council tax or or oh, rates. The, the family pile, yeah, that might get a bit of that. I mean, now they're responsible for all the and upkeep and that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Right, uh, yep. Yeah, so uh, Carl Swanson's just said he, he wants to know if you bought the Johnston book and what we could learn from it if you have, John. Um, I'll only be buying it if I find out how thick it is. And uh, I've got a wonky table in the hallway. And I've, uh, I could probably do with a Johnston book just to level it up. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, I mean, Carl, he, he, I like to get John a little something at Christmas, and even I'd uh, buy him uh, a Johnston book because I don't. He wouldn't have answered me calls, I don't think, um, if I'd have bought it him. Uh, and I'm not. And, and, and <laughs> I'd have already been able for contact via the dark web. <laughs> um, right, move on. Um, what I can answer this uh, from Rob Jackson. Um, he, he just he, he he wanted to know about flat uh, flat favourites, national hunt favourites. He thinks there's less favourites winning now than in previous years, um, and it and it seems to have continued into this jump season. Um, I can pour water on the myth, Rob. I'm afraid. Um, I, I would like to believe you that everyone's trying to get everything beat but sadly i did the stats and it's it's actually above expectation the favorites in 2021 um the worst year was 2017 if, so if you want to look back to results in 2017 that's when everyone was stopping them <laughs> it was it was well below expectation in terms of uh, uh winners compared to uh, results so uh, so maybe 20, maybe 2017 was the one for the for the gravy train boys. Um, I don't know. It might have been an anomaly, but no, not this year, Rob. Sorry about that. Um, moving on. Um, Aaron Rhodes has been on, and he said it's only someone else's opinion, but racing post ratings they seem to be handing out monster figures to novices these last few seasons, like they are dispatching PCR tests. I know, this is just disgrace. Uh, none have gone on to be proper 180-plus superstars after these big figures. Uh, what's your take on it? John? Racing post ratings have been too high for ages for me. Um, I mean, as you know, I, I do my own figures and everything. And I mean, I would say on average, uh, I'm using a fairly broad brush here, I would say their ratings tend to be 12 to 15 pounds higher than men. Yeah. On the whole, uh, performance ratings, you know, when you're looking at the results and what have you, um, it would be very, very rare that I put a figure anywhere close to a, a racing post rating after a race. Yeah. So I, I, I think, you know, you know I mean, <laughs> The, the feeling I get from the racing post is that they've got this squad of people there that's been following racing since Frankel got him interested. And they're all looking to bump these arses up into mar marvellous ratings and things, you know. I mean, you, you get, like, like the two-year-olds at the start of the season this year, I mean, we got to Ascot, we were casting around for performances, weren't we? And yeah. we couldn't really find one. And as it proved, the, the Royal Ascot two-year-old winners were fairly fucking average, weren't they? It's yeah. average. Yeah, I can remember me and you talking about it. We were like really disappointed with the, the quality on offer in the in the juvenile department there. Yeah. Um, so, I th you know, I think the... I think they're well out of kilter with the ratings, and I'm not surprised that they go the same way with the sticks as well, because you get an impressive novice hurdler and the busting a gut to make it a superstar. Aren't they? I think the problem is, and Aaron, I say this with pretty much pretty much a lot of confidence here, is that the problem with handicapping and putting ratings on horses is that they often get the yardstick wrong, so. This is what really annoys me, and I've said this before, where you, you might watch a novice chase or, or something, and the second has jumped like me after 10 pints. And they'll, because it's finished second, beaten, what, 10 lengths to the winner, they'll assume it's ran to form because it's ran second. So they'll, pl they'll plank the, if it's 148, for example, they'll say that's run to 148, so the winner beat it 10, must have run to 158, when in fact the second's probably run 15 pound below form. And this is where, that's why, yes, I do think there's artificial substances in racing, hence why the Irish have a, have a, have a grand record at the festival. Um, but we don't help ourselves with our, with our own handicap ratings when we're slapping on, you know, 10 or 15 pounds for bolt. I mean, a recent example of this was a Hoy Senor at Newbury. Mm. Turned up against Brave Man's Game at Kempton, yeah? Well, at Newbury, he won by a Taterfield. And the reason he won by a Taterfield, because nothing ran its race. Uh, Mr. Incredible jumped terrible. 
they all, they all ran shit. And you, if anyone had, it was very difficult to put a rating on it actually because you just it didn't nothing really added up in the race. So so of course then he gets kicked out of the way uh, at Kempton by by Brave Man's game. So this is this is the problem that it's the yardsticks that they struggle to to get the right yardstick for the race and they're always up in like you're right they're, they're always up in the 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 rating for say the yardstick so they'll say the seconds ran to its mark when sometimes the second probably hasn't run to its mark and this is where you need experienced people um in charge of this to get better a better rating system but when you pay peanuts you you know the phrase is you get monkeys and and that's that's what's what's basically happening that the, there's people that don't know what they're doing um so that that's that's for us punters to take advantage of and that's where we've got an edge except when you can't get on um uh, when chris, chris anything on that they should use clive holt's fine form rating <laughs> last two weeks yes. some distance get on there you are when you had five for a win, cut that five for a win. So that was that last two starts. So that was ten points. Course yeah. and course winner one yeah. point. Distance yeah. winner two points. Mm-hmm. Thirteen points. Fine form. Maximum bet. Correct. And Clive Alt, Clive Alt would would after time in his book and say he had seventy notes on that seven or one, yeah. and he sat in the bar at Haydock with an Irish coffee. If you haven't read that book, that's nostalgia there for you right there. Yeah. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So, that, Aaron, Aaron, I hope you uh, like our views on that one. Um, right, we're going to move to a good part of the show now where we give you courses to possibly follow and do your money in. Um, <laughs> um, and Fry's been on. Fry, Catherine Fry. Um, she's uh, hoping to make a return soon. I have the rumours she could be on Friday's pod. So, uh, keep your eyes out for that. And she said, greetings, bar stewards. Um, she says, two have caught my eye over the Christmas period with regards to the festival. She says, it's a long way out, I know, but she thinks Burning Victory will run a huge race in the Mayor's. Uh, Mayor's Hurdle. I think 16 to 1 is available for that. And Botox has, um, she wants to back in one of the handicaps at the festival, coming back to two miles five. She thinks that, obviously, the three mile stretches the horse's stamina, um, as it's been tried over three miles the last twice. And so those the, the, those two from Catherine are leading fancies at prices for a, 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 a festival race. Now, she's also gone on to say, she said, put Diamond Egg in the tracker too. Um, but Fabergé Eggs, yeah, I, I could do one of them. Um, could have got third in the listed bumper yesterday, but was given a very easy time on debut and was mad keen for the first circuit, so it did extremely well to finish where it did. So Diamond Egg um, in the listed bumper yesterday, so I presume obviously the Saturday, that's Saturday the 1st. I haven't got the race time in front of me, but if you search that on Racing Post, Diamond Egg, that's Catherine's horses to to look forward to uh, for the remainder of this season, which brings us on to Humphrey Lancaster's question when he said, can you give us your top three jump prospects, chaps, to look out for? Um, <laughs> this is hashtag, Humphrey, Humphrey, this is hashtag the road to Doncaster. You know, have you not been listening? Have you not been listening to our tips on the jump? Um, there's only, we've got Nevenda. Um, Catherine Fry's busy at the moment, which is sad for us. And, um, yeah, we, we're struggling a bit on the jumps, we admit. Um, anyway, so I thought I'd give, I, I'd put up two, but they're very obvious. I mean, the thing is, if you're looking for a top jumps prospect, they're already blogger territory. Um, you know, it's very difficult, isn't it? Is it I, I will say, I don't know if any of you guys saw this, is it a galloping des champs um, at Leopardstown. I have never, ever seen in my entire life, and so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm coming up for half a century, I have never, ever seen one in my entire life that has jumped well as well as that on debut and did what it did. I have never, ever seen anything like it. It was tremendous. It was tremendous to watch. And I even commented on Twitter saying I would pay to watch that anywhere. Um, That was a tremendous performance. Galloping Des Champs, the Willie Mullins uh, jukes machine uh, with that one. Uh, Wherever that turns up, I I want to, whether I want to be with it, I don't know. It depends on the odds, but I certainly want to watch it. And um, the other one I, I was going to put up was Constitution Hill. 
which is the uh, Popeye um, sort of second string, if you like, in the Supreme Novices behind uh, John Bond. Well, I know it works with John Bond because my Henderson snout has told me that. Um, and they rate it very highly. They probably don't think there's a lot between the two. And I personally like Constitution Hill better as a horse than John Bond. I think there's there's less pontiness potentially about constitutional than John Bond. So that's where my money would go in the Supreme Novices Constitutional. So I'm sorry if that's a bit obvious uh, for any listeners on the jumps, but um, if we're looking for top prospects, there's very few at this probably stage of the season that we can probably say as a top prospect that isn't probably one of the market leaders for one of the big races. Um, John and Chris, I'll come to you then. For anything you've got <laughs> uh, in terms of national huntness, well, I think you might remember about two or three weeks ago, I mentioned Journey With Me. Um, yes, that, yes, I, I do. I've I do. won again since. Um, I think that will go up the festival with a large chance. And <laughs> I spotted one today, actually, that I've very much got in mind for the festival in 2023. Wow. Yeah, um, and that's Grand Jewelry that ran second to Ginto today. Oh yeah, yeah, your race. And and by the yeah. way, that yeah, you you didn't get a good ride. <laughs> Again, Starting you didn't, did you? <laughs> um, but yeah, Grand Jewelry is a proper beast of a horse. Um, tremendous frame to it. I was really really impressed with this physically. I think when this gets over the big black ones, I think either the two and a half mile or the, is it still the Sun Alliance chase? Yeah. Taylor made It's going to be some noise chase of that. It's a grand jury. You like that one physically? Like a tank? Very much. It's got a lot of scope about it. And I think another... Somewhere under that one's belt, that that will come back looking at rates. So, yeah, great stuff, uh, Chris. Anything from you on the jumps? <laughs> no, nothing. Take it day by day. I think often when you're trying to earmark courses, as you said earlier, it's about the price and the conditions on the day. So I think it's often a futile exercise unless you you know something's an absolute superstar and you can take advantage anti-post but i think you know as with all these sort of like horses to follow lists and books i think of limited value so for me i, I take every moment as it comes yeah uh Humphrey, just just one more thing in regards to your question what i would say is um round round about sort of like jan feb you get some daft bookies that start giving non-runner no bet that's that's the whenever you see that that whatever you fancy, that's the time to step in, the right time. Because you've seen because there's that many Cheltenham races, you've seen how many cut up. So you you've got Bob Ollinger quoted in several races. You've got so they're not all gonna run. So that's the thing. You you you're taking what you might be getting fired. I mean, I, I looked at one, I was looking at Edward Stone at um eleven to two for the Arkle uh, each way. Um you know, I'm not because of the Irish juice. I'm not that bothered because they always seem to come to the festival just bunged up. And and Edward Stone on form, I, I think, is nearly as good as anything out there. Each way a pleasure, eleven to two. I think on the day that's going to be about five to two when there's about six runners because um, it usually the, everything usually cuts up. So what I would say is anything you do fancy, just wait until that stage comes when certain bookmakers start shouting number and no bet, that's the time to start stepping in on your fancies um, because you can get some outstanding value uh, about certain horses. Because um, obviously you get your money back then if the horse doesn't run and they go for another race. So you, you can't lose. Uh, so thanks for that. Um, I'm sorry we couldn't help you more with anything less obvious in terms of... Uh, uh, something good for the festival, but that's the kind of racing it is at national national season for us. It's, it's blogger esque, isn't it? If you don't fancy the 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 ones that have won by twenty seven lengths on the Billy Idol, you 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 know you you sort of struggling. Um, on to another question, which is also related to horses to follow, which I thought was an interesting. <coughs> one from from Jack JCC Punter. He's a, he's a good lad. He said interested. Interested to, uh, to see what you guys would like on the flat next season. A classic horse, Colt and Philly, perhaps, or an older horse to keep on side. Um, 
That's I'll kick us off. If you, John, John, do you want to start on this one? Well, this is my like it is, isn't it? Good God. <laughs> Jack knows, hashtag the road to Doncaster, yeah. Damn right. Well, yeah, I've got a, a couple of three-year-olds with potential, shall we say. Yeah. Um, and as regards them being dark horses, the darker than Harry Belafonte's arsehole, in all honesty. <laughs> I don't think there'll be on many people's radar at this stage, anyway. Um, the first one is Sir Bob Parker, um, trained by Sergeant Wilson, David Mansourier. Um, oh, yeah. And he chose to debut this one at St. Clou um, in November, and it ran in a conditions race behind a horse Mr. Fabrice called Jasperoid. The interesting thing about this is it's had absolutely no chance at San Clos because it's by Sayuni and it ran on heavy ground and looked totally unsuited to it and it still ran second by only a length and a half in the 15 grand conditions race. I think this is a nice horse in the making. Physically, there's very little wrong with it at all. Um, it's out of a Montjoie mare. Um, should get 10 at least, probably get 12. Um, and I think, well, I think a maiden's a formality in the spring. And uh, I think I think it will go on to better things than that. I think it's got the potential to get, get towards listing class. Interesting. That's a real, that is a dark horse. I like that. I like that you've, that you've been watching horses at San Clue. Uh, yeah. I think you'd say they watch them at St. Clair or watch them at fucking Plumpton, didn't it? You know what I mean? <laughs> God, isn't it? It's Hobson's choice. Um, and the other one is um, the, somebody might have spotted this one actually because it, it debuted at Leicester, which a lot of people have back end Leicester maidens. They have the notebooks at hand, don't they? Uh, this again, absolutely superbly bred by Kingman out of a Galileo mare. Um, Roger Varian's Aku Najla. How, how do you spell that? A K H U N A J L A. Aku Najla. Yeah, this one went off favourite um, on its debut which is unusual for a Varian horse. Um, I, I had a couple of fair nods for Varian horses last year. Um, you did. I, I, but listen, I can vouch for this. I reckon jo- John must have had the best Varian contact in the game, and there's a lot of them. And, and, but John John's contact was extremely accurate, uh, and and not the not the six to fours either. The prices, you know, it, he, he was very good. Anyway, John, continue. Well, he, he told me about this one. He said he thought it was a nice horse in the making, but he didn't give it any chance whatsoever on debut, and he was astonished it was favourite. Because mm. he said it was nowhere near ready. And he said it was open to stacks of improvement. It ran second to a horse called Ictirac. Um Clocked a top speed figure of 75. Which I generally tend to think well you for another ten ticks on on the actual rating, so you can say it's possibly got an eighty-five in the tank there. Um, again, it's another one that ought to be rating hundred plus this year. Um, again, I, I think faster ground will see it in a better light as well than it being by Kingman, and uh, I, I like the look of that one very much for next season. That is interesting. So I, I think that's I think that's absolutely cracking what you've told listeners there. Always good on the inside track that you know it needed the run on debut, and there could be a lot, lot more to come. So Aku Najla for John with Sir Bob Parker, um, uh, at San Clue, he's other one. So the two cracking ones there, really out of the box. I'm sure that Jack will appreciate that. Um, Chris, anything, anything next season for you in the classics? Maybe oh, it doesn't matter if it's obvious, but anything that sort of like I, stuck I out. John next week, Lee. So uh, <laughs> unless the two thousand guineas is on Wednesday, I, I, I'll pass on that one. I, I think day of race is probably the way to go. But uh, certainly, John's uh, 
varying contact. Uh, I, I'm just alarmed that we never got a fucking text through. On, 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 <laughs> no, me, me and check my data setting. It was I can't see anything. That's a bit. Of a I know John, what it was. John had messaged me. So I I wouldn't say like fairly late. Probably about 20 minutes before off time, and he'd say. Yeah. Uh, it, it, my it, it does tend to be late info, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. we've always got our phones on, so that, don't worry about the time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> on to my two, and a couple of big price uh, classic um, possible contenders that I thought would be interesting to mention. Um, I, I'm, I'm quite surprised to see them so big, particularly one of them. Um the Colt uh, in question that I like for next year um, is trained by uh, John's nominated trainer of the year, John Gosden. Um, and he, Benny Nielsen earned horse magisterial, um, a Frankel Colt, uh, currently 50 to 1 for the Derby, um, made a very eye catching debut where it didn't handle the dip, quite, quite sort of heavy topped a little bit, um, which. I'm not sure about Epson. I probably need John's expertise when he's watched it properly in terms of will this handle Epson. It didn't come down on the dip grade at Newmarket, but it certainly came up the hill well. So even if it's not Epson, maybe it's something like the King Ted um, or something like that instead. But Magisterial looks a future mile and a half prospect because he, he shaped as good as the winner in that maiden at Newmarket. He certainly was grabbing the ground up the hill and would have, would have passed the winner in another uh, three quarters of a furlong. Um, he then won his maiden from a next time out maiden winner at Haydock very comfortably. It's a little bit green in front, um, but he's going to improve so much for a mile and a half. I really just he's going to definitely group class. I have no doubt about it. On sectionals that I've got, he's going to be group class. So magisterial is one to watch out for um, next season. Sometimes Gosden, you know, he can. He can give him a spin in an handicap. He's, he's not afraid to do that. Might you know? Might might decide to just just as a just to see where where he's at with him. But he that might be it. You know, um, makes it up, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, so I mean, who knows? But that that that's a cult to look forward to. That's a really good cult. Nice physically as well. I like that. Um, and the Philly, I, I, I'm really shocked at the prices. Um, 33 to 1 for the 33 to 1 for the Oaks. Um, it's not obviously a favorite owner of mine in Qatar Racing because I often think I don't think they, they buy that well, if I'm honest, half the time. Um, but uh, Mizon Scene um, is a ludicrous price for the Oaks at 33 to 1. It's a Siuni out of a Galileo mare. Um, obviously, like the, the, the there's so much uh stamina on the dam side. Um, I was so impressed to see this run. Um, it was behind in spiral, the Guinea's favorite in the, uh, in the Phillies mile. And again, another one that got going really, really strongly late, real strong, real strong up the hill. And I thought, what an impressive run that was. Then what do the idiots do? They'll go to the sharpest track in America on rock hard ground and run it in the, uh, uh, the, the breeders cup Phillies turf. I mean, I mean, what a set of absolute clowns to do that. You saw a good to soft ground at Newmarket. You saw it coming up the hill. It's going to want a mile and a half. So I know let, I know what, says Sheikh Farhad uh, and his idiot brigade. We'll, we'll, we'll run at Delmar, a very, very sharp, you know, two-turn mile. Um, no, absolutely ridiculous placing to have done that. I'd have put her away after that. I don't think it's ruined the race at Del Mar or anything. I just think it was a terrible place and a terrible idea. Um, but Miss on scene, um, I think is going to be a very useful uh, staying filly next season. Already run well in the hundreds, rated 108 currently. So, I mean, to become an Oaks <coughs> filly, John, you know, this year, you, you only had to be 115 to be thereabouts in this year's Oaks. Well, um, or last year's Oaks, I should say. If you so, factor in eight pound improvement for the distance, she, yeah, she's going to be there about, isn't she? And I think it's also good that she's shown form and good to soft because it's very, very rare you're going to get a fast ground oaks these days with them watering the shit out of Epsom, ready for the yeah. Saturday, trying to provide ground that's nice and safe and makes a lovely print. <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, so, 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 I, so everything points to like massive, 
improvement next season. So astonished to see that at 33 to one because she's only three lengths behind the Guineas favourite. And and I thought it was a fantastic, fantastic Oaks trial. Just the, the, the shocking placement at Del Mar, which if I was Sheikh Farad racing manager, I'd have, I'd have categorically said, well, you'll, you you might as well sack me if you run there because you should not be running there. Um, but there you go. So let's hope that Mizon scene is placed well next season and uh, that'll be a money spinner at some point um, um, for listeners. Um, before we finish, anything else you've seen this this uh, Christmas, apart from Father Christmas and a few drunks and a few, you know, ladies of the night, maybe? I don't know. But anything else this Christmas you've seen that um, sort of catches your eye or or you want to talk about before we, before we go? As they, as they do some very nice plant-based duck spring rolls that I've never cooked them whatsoever. They're really... No duck? No, no duck. But they call them duck spring rolls. That, that's cute. terrible. A bit confusing. Yeah. Really so nice. Yeah. So no, no duck, no duck in the duck spring rolls from Asda says John. That's well, it. That's I, got, it. I got him into the producer, and then she was a non-runner. <laughs> well, you yeah, busy, busy, you busy, busy. Yeah, it was a shocking time. But Chris, anything, anything you want to get off your well, chest? I just sort of, uh, you know, when you've sort of had a, quite a heavy night New Year's Eve, and you know when you're kind of sitting there and you feel that you need to be sick but you to feel better, but you can't bring yourself to make yourself sick, until I saw Bruff Scott's sort of New Year's address on ITV Racing. It's kind of that roomy-eyed whimsy about racing being inclusive <laughs> and, and his wishes for 2020. <laughs> and I puked my ring about 30 seconds after seeing that. So I think... <laughs> You know, I mean, Br- Br- Bruff still reminds me. They said, oh, he's 25 years, you know, man and boy uh, as part of the broadcasting team. But I don't know about you. He's still as wooden as anything. He, he reminds me of someone doing a really awkward best man speech. You know, he just still seems absolutely petrified in front of the camera. I mean, he makes Julian Wilson look like fucking Sean Penn, doesn't he? He's, he's just <laughs> dreadful, I think. But, but thanks to Bruff, I, I was... You know, I, I, I evacuated my alimentary canal as a result, so I felt a lot better afterwards. So thanks for that, bro. So there we go. So you've you, you've you've had it here in a fantastic show. We we've got the perfect uh, New Year's aid uh, in terms of clearing your system out. Mm-hmm. If you're feeling there, you're listening to this. You're feeling, you know, your <coughs> your belly your belly's like a space opera. Um, you know, basically that's the thing. Listen to Bruce Scott's monologue. Yeah. And um, it certainly helps. So, again, another top tip. We've given some yeah. top tips for this show tonight. Uh, Duck Spring Rolls as the five-star should be playing at all race courses this summer. And, of yeah. course, listen to Bruff Scott's monologue to clear the system out. Yeah. This shows it all. I hope you have, have enjoyed this fantastic first show of the, of, of the season. And we're going to bring you plenty more of those to come. Uh, we're back on Friday. And, as I've said, with a new bar steward. Um, all will be revealed on Friday. Um, drum roll, etc. Um, he's a he's a, he's fairly prominent. He's he's been in the in the in the racing uh, TV game, uh, stroke media. Um, he's a he's a he's a good all round guy, really. So hopefully he will add some much needed bolsterness to our national hunt tipping. <laughs> which won't take much um, uh, to our bar stewards. Uh, Who is it? Is it Graham Bradley? Is it Graham Bradley? <laughs> yeah, we could do with somebody like Graham, really, yeah. for some. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, but uh, yeah, we 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 need we need a lift. So hopefully that'd be a great show. So that's all from me, Chris, and John. And uh, we hope uh, this week is fantastic for you on the first week in the new year. That's all from us. Bye for now. Right, the show's over, boys. Thank you very much.